Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. John Clayton, he is the new Seahawks sideline reporter. He's going to join us every Thursday during football season again this year. And, of course, you can catch him and us tomorrow night at Gulfstream Park Sport of Kings at 6 p.m. for a little fantasy football convention. John, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How's everybody? We're uh, we're excited to see you again tomorrow every year. We get to hang out with you one time. Folks can come out tomorrow again, 6 p.m., Sport of Kings at Gulfstream Park, ask you the fantasy football questions. Uh, first things first here, okay? The Dolphins last night, they lose 38-31. We're not so concerned about that. Let's look at the positives first. The positives was uh, Jay Cutler looked like a looked like a guy who's been a starting quarterback in this league for for 10 years last night okay we know that we're going to get some of the some of the bad decisions but overall he's chucking the ball all over the field big time connections with Devonte parker give us some thoughts overall since we haven't spoken in a couple weeks about the Dolphins signing jay cutler yeah i mean he seems comfortable i guess getting back with adam gaze and i think that relationship has a good chance to really continue to grow because one thing that I know Adam worked with with Jay was trying to cut down the interceptions and try to make better decisions, and he seems to be doing it. The other positive is the fact that he's getting a good relationship early with Devontae Parker. Now, you know, week one he really didn't was hardly even on the field. His first game, uh, game in week two of the preseason, his first game there. But now you can see there's a comfort level, and I don't know. Maybe it's a matter that you know you decide to get out of football. Then uh, next thing you know, here's a chance to come back in. And you're kind of just uh, feel, you know, feeling like, you know what, this isn't too bad. And so he's not rushing things. I think that's good. So I think that's a positive sign. I mean, I, I still don't think that he can maybe equal some of the numbers of Ryan Tannehill, but I think he can do enough good things. I mean, it was really of the perfect fit. You lose Tannehill, who Adam Gaze likes. You get a guy that uh, works well with Adam Gaze, and I think it can be a functional relationship. What uh, we saw the the big play last night, Cutler to Parker, seventy two yards. Parker goes up, grabs the ball at a highest point. Uh, very athletic, very big receiver. What is it about wide receivers where you get the old uh, you know adage that hey, third year, third year for wide receivers, they take that big jump. What is it about the third year? Well, I mean, a lot of times it's even the second year, but sometimes that third year you can really start to break out because you come out of a different type of offense in college. It may not be able to immediately translate with all the routes. I mean, you don't have that route tree of nine that you feel comfortable with, you know, and you're, you're trying to pick up what's going to be the adjustments on the uh, offense and the routes and all that stuff. And so that first year, some kind of could be a maze. Then in year two, what you worry about is that sometimes the injuries kind of knock you down. He's like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm starting to learn it, but then I'm not out there every week. By the third year, you're comfortable. You know how to train your body. You know how to prevent the injuries for the most part. Again, it's a sport where it's physical, so you don't necessarily know if you can prevent all the injuries. But I think by the year three, you're now a professional. You know what you're doing. And then, you know, if you're not having a turnover at the quarterback position, you're getting into a comfort level with that quarterback. And so I think that, you know, it all starts to get come together in year three. A lot of times it's year two. Sometimes it's year one. A lot of it depends on the wide receiver. But I think that in year three, Parker now knows what he's supposed to do and is doing a good job doing it. 
What uh, We got John Clayton joining us here, and again, you can hang out with him and us. He's going to help you with the fantasy football tomorrow night, Gulfstream Park, Sport of Kings, 6 p.m. It's free, so come on and hang out with us. Uh, what do we make of the Eagles' offense? Because they lit the Dolphins' defense up last night. So uh, we, we know Carson Wentz had a nice rookie season, especially the first half of his rookie year. But is the Eagles' offense expected to be a big-time offense, or was the Dolphins' defense that bad last night, do we think? Now, I don't know if it's going to be a big-time offense. It's going to be a much better offense because, first off, Carson Wentz looks like he's going to be a very good quarterback. Uh, you saw it last year in his rookie year when he basically had nothing. I mean, all he had was a slot receiver, Jordan Matthews, and nothing else. Nelson Aguilar did not do a good job at receiver last year, and so he didn't have much at the receiver position. He didn't have much at running back. Ryan Matthews didn't do things. All he basically had was Darren Sproles, and so there wasn't a lot. He had two tight ends that were pretty good. So this year, they add things, and now by adding things, it makes it that much better. He's got Alshon Jeffrey. You know, he's got Torrey Smith. So now he's got weapons, and of course, you know, they make the move getting rid of Jordan Matthews in the trade, but now that may gave uh, Nelson Aguilar the chance in, yeah, I guess, ironically, year three to be able to start to make his run. So with better receivers, a better running back situation with LeGarrette Blunt coming in there and giving him a physical type of runner and a good offensive line, this offense should be able to be better. And so I think it took advantage naturally. You can see that, remember, it's not like it was a great Dolphin defense last year. Right. It couldn't stop the run. That's not good. And so now uh, you can see it had some issues trying to stop the pass. That has to be concerning. But, again, these are things that you can try to fix. And then they tried to, you know, you're going through a, you know, a little bit of a different change with a different defensive coordinator and that. So this is one that's kind of a wake-up call, and I'm sure they're going to have to really focus in practice and probably be a little bit grumpy in practice with what happened with the defense. So I'm kind of interested to find out what's going on in terms of the Seattle Seahawks and, and seeing their guy, Marshawn Lynch. And when I say their guy, I always see Marshawn as a Seattle Seahawks. So I'm wondering on the West Buffalo Coast. Bill. No, not at all. I, I just I want to know what's going on on the West Coast. There is a little bit of coverage out here. We we get sporadic coverage of of Marshawn, and then it's usually not good coverage. It's either him sitting for the anthem or or talking about what he was doing in the off season on on either one of the late night talk shows or or just messing around. So do do the Seahawks have any ill will, or is there any kind of disdain when Marshawn's name gets brought up over there? No, some of the fans, because, I mean, they grew close to him, not as far as, you know, getting with him, because he doesn't really hang out uh, with Seahawks fans. He does hang out with the Raider fans. But, no, no bitterness. Uh, I mean, maybe the bitterness is those who have that 24 jersey now, you know, have to de have it devalued because it's a Raider 24 jersey. But, no, I think they feel good about him because he was real popular in the locker room. I mean, he obviously was a character because, I mean, you know, he, he went like three years and he had like maybe one conversation with his head coach, Pete Carroll. You know, Pete could go over to him if he wanted, but it's like Marshawn wasn't going to acknowledge. It's just he's, he goes to a different beat. You know, so that hasn't, and their big worry right now is trying to see if they can resurrect a running game. Without Marshawn Lynch, the offense went from about 500 carries to 403, so they've got to make up those missing 100 carries. And uh, it looked good for the first couple of weeks, but now things are a little bit banged up. They are six deep as far as running backs, but Thomas Rawls and C.J. Procise of two guys that have been fighting injuries, and guess what? They're not going to play tonight against Kansas City because they're injured. Uh, Eddie Lacy's still a little bit slow coming off the ankle injury, so this is going to be a big test for him. But overall, they've got six pretty good running backs. The sleeper in the group is Chris Carson, a seventh-round pick, who may effectively have been their best back this preseason. Now, how that fits into the mix of starting, we'll have to see how it's going to go after this Kansas City game and what goes over. But no, no bitterness for Marshawn Lynch.
John, what uh, what do you know about the Ezekiel Elliott situation? Obviously, you got an appeal that's going on. He's going to play, I believe it's tomorrow night. He's going to play in the preseason game, it looks like, because he's allowed to. But, you know, then he's going to have to start serving the suspension. What do you know about that situation? Uh, is the appeal going to be reduced? And is it pretty clear that the NFL must have the goods on him to suspend him for six games? Yeah, you would have to figure that they're going to uphold the suspension because particularly when you saw the release, they said the intense investigation they put up there, one year of investigating it and what they believe to be the evidence that they pieced together. Now, remember, this is not the court of law. I mean, you don't have the ability to have perjury in there. I mean, whatever you say, you know, it doesn't have to go by the Bible and, and all that. And then, you know, they're trying to put all the pieces together. And Harold Henderson, the designated appointee, for Roger Goodell is, is a management council guy and a league guy. So you figure that if the league believes they put this out, with even though there's no charges against him, that uh, they're going to uphold it. And then it's going to be up to the NFLPA to see if they can take it to a federal court and see if they can delay it and find a federal judge that's willing to do it. But this one's going to be very tough. So you figure with the hearing on the 29th, a very quick decision, it's going to be hard to be able to do it. But, of course, hey, we saw that they got a delay in the Tom Brady case. They found the right judge. They may need to have to find the right judge right now to be able to get that to uh, at least be delayed. But at this stage, it looks like it's going to be a six-game suspension. Speaking of the NFLPA, a couple things happened. You got uh, you got a, a re-sign there with the, with the commission, Mr. Goodell, and then you have Eric Winston coming out and talking about in 20 years from now, guys aren't concerned in that locker room that the NFL is going to be around or not. So how long is this sword fight going to continue between the NFLPA until 2021 when they actually have the opportunity to go ahead and sit down and do this work program thing? Yeah, you figure it's going to be probably a likelihood of a lockout because there's so many things that the players want to try to either win back or gain. You know, a lot of it, whether it's going to be commissioner control over player conduct, economic issues, all those different things. And so anytime you have a 10-year agreement, there's no opt-out. There's going to be a lot of things that uh, you're not going to like and need to fight for. So now I think that, uh, you know, uh, Demora Smith is wise, along with Richard Sherman, kind of advising the players to say, hey, you better get ready for this because there's a likelihood there is going to be a work stoppage of some kind in 2021. doesn't mean that they won't get a deal in 2021, but there's, when you go 10 years without a new deal, there's a lot of things need to be changed, and the only time you can try to make a change is the threat of some kind of a strike or realization there's going to be a lockout. Do you know if the NFL, because I remember when I was finishing up before we had the thing in 2012, 2011, uh, do you know if the NFL has implemented any kind of like structural saving money pattern that they have out of their checks like they did uh, back in 2011? For the, for the, for the teams? I mean, yeah, for the players. I think they have, oh, for the players? Yeah. No, they, I'm, I'm sure that uh, nothing like that has been set up right now by the by – the, that's going to have to be more a player oriented than it's going to be team oriented because you know what's nice for the owners is that uh, they have these nice little checks that are going to start to be coming from the relocations of the Rams and the Chargers and so you know in in some cases you're talking 55 million dollars coming in just in these uh, moves of teams for fr- franchise relocation fees and you know the money's going to continue for the NFL it's a matter of now the players trying to position themselves so if they are going to make the threat of having a work stoppage and withholding their services, uh, then uh, you know it can be valid. But it's up to the players now to try to prepare. John, have a safe flight into into South Florida, and we're looking forward to hanging out with you tomorrow night. Great. We'll see you tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. All right, John, take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.